0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking, and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com.
1: Well, Good morning, it's so nice to be with you this morning. It's been a while since I've been able to be on the live stream. So it's amazing to to be back here and uh, sharing the service with you. As Matt said, and slightly stole my introduction there, we are kicking off a brand new series, a five-week series that we're calling Contagious Hope, looking around this theme of evangelism. If you have a Bible wherever you're watching from, then grab it and turn with me to Luke 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. Now, this is Jesus coming uh, towards the end, the last week of his mission here on earth before his crucifixion. And he meets a man called Zacchaeus. And right at the end of uh, that encounter, he beautifully sums up his mission In one sentence and he says this, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus God has always been, his priority has always been about seeking and saving the lost and so for that reason we are gonna be looking at what it means and how we can partner with him, with the work of the Lord in the earth in terms of sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, this isn't just a series that we feel like we haven't spoken about in a while, something we stumbled upon or even because Alpha is coming up in the new term. Actually, for a significant amount of time, we have felt as a leadership, the Lord leading us into greater intentionality around sharing the good news of Jesus as a family, as Emmaus Road. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about why that is and what we feel like the Lord is saying. But to start with, I just want to share a video that if you've journeyed with us for a while, you would have seen this before. This is Christian Guy. Uh, He's one of our trustees. He's the CEO of Justice and Care, an anti-human trafficking organization, and he's part of the Emmaus Road family. And as we approached 2021, he really felt like the Lord gave him this word. And so I just want to show you again. Um, And so here's Christian.
0: At the end of 2020, I had a major health scare and it really got me thinking about 2021 and the who, why, what, when and how of life. And in the midst of all that, I felt I had this picture uh, for me but for all of us at Emmaus and it was a call to courage. I saw a a bird's eye view of Surrey in the southeast or a google maps view of the area and all of a sudden they had these glowing orange spots pop up and it became a heat map and these spots or the heat on this map was being caused by us as individuals having courageous conversations, kingdom chatter in every corner of every community, on the school run or in the supermarket or on the Zoom meeting or in the passerby conversations we have on our streets with our friends and neighbors. Deliberate, courageous, bold kingdom conversations, not something we outsource to our pastors, brilliant though they are, or simply uh, an alpha course brilliant as though that is this was us in the rubble of covid the grief the loss the despair the fear that has gripped us and our communities being pushed back by the hope of the kingdom it is those jesus sentences maybe we've dampened down or we've even avoided for fear of being weird or uh, offending people that we choose to have this year it is the The kingdom conversations that give a reason for the hope we still hang on to even after everything we've been through. These weren't word perfect. They weren't uh, polished or rehearsed. We didn't have all of the answers. They were conversations that were messy and honest and full of doubt at times and with lots of questions, but we were stepping up, having those conversations. As we did that, as we pursued that next, in 2021, the heat map spread, the, the depth of the orange turned to bright red and it was glowing and we were pushing back the forces of fear and despair. And so this, this year, it's not just the practical help as we love our neighbours, it is those courageous conversations, the casual chatter of the kingdom that is going to set that heat map off. So I'd encourage you, Where are those conversations? Who are the people you need to step in to the chat with? Who is the Lord calling you to be bolder with? Because life is fragile, people have got bucket loads of questions. And if we're to be the hope bringers um, through the spirit, then this is the moment to seize. It's not on Pete or Bill or Josh or Matt or Adam and all the brilliant people involved uh, from the front. It's on us led by the Spirit to step out and be more courageous. So let's go for it this year.
1: So it's powerful work that it feels like the Lord gave Christian and then it's been building around having these courageous conversations. That picture of the heat map of just scattered servants, people from church just around in their everyday lives being willing to share the good news of Jesus. So we're going into this five-week series, but before we do that, I just want to slightly address the elephant in the room. I would wager that of everyone watching, if asked to do a poll, 10% of you couldn't be more excited about this series. You've been thinking, finally, a long series on evangelism. You're so excited. This is what you live and breathe for. But for 90%, there was that kind of sinking feeling that happened when we said we're going into a series about evangelism. I'm guessing it's somewhere kind of a mix between, I don't know, dread with a little sprinkling of guilt. Like, this is not what you enjoy doing. Um, And I don't want to pretend that that feeling isn't there. Like, I don't want us to just sort of grit our teeth, you know, try and get through it, just see through these five weeks and then move on to something else. Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so we want to be about the things that Jesus was about. And so I think that if I was to ask most people, despite that feeling, most people would agree that they feel like the Bible talks to them about a responsibility to share the good news that they found in Jesus. But more than that, they would also agree that finding Jesus has been the best thing that ever happened for them. They've experienced more joy, more fullness of life, more love since encountering Jesus. So why is it when on one hand we feel and we hear the responsibility to share the good news of Jesus? And on the other hand, we feel like it genuinely is good news, good news that we have experienced personally in our own life. Why do we find it so hard? Why do we experience that sinking feeling? Well, I sat down and I think here's a few reasons why maybe that happens. And uh, tell me if any of these resonate with you. Number one, our particular personality is not a good fit with evangelism, right? We are introverted or we're shy or we're not that articulate or, or whatever it is. You just feel like, you know, there are some people just wired for evangelism. You know, they're loud, they're out there, they're extrovert, and they're great. Like God made you differently. God made you introverted, shy. You're great at being a friend, but you're just not great at evangelism. Or number two, how about this one? Our particular spiritual gift inventory right? And uh, you know what I'm talking about here. This is for the people who, you know, maybe on Facebook or BuzzFeed, they've done the, what Bible hero are you? You know, and maybe you've come out and you're David, the warrior worshiper, or you're Moses, the reluctant intercessor. You're not Luke or Peter or Paul. Like, you're not wired around evangelism, Or how about this one? You are more about discipleship than you are about evangelism, right? You don't want to be part of the sales team. You want to be part of the engineering team. Someone else can get them in and then your particular thing is is fixing them up and making them more like Jesus. Or maybe more seriously in a kind of post-enlightenment, highly relativist, religiously suspicious culture you actually find it really hard to have answers to some of the difficult questions. And you're afraid of that social taboo of proclaiming that you have a truth that you think other people should listen to. Evangelism in that feels a little bit more like a pyramid scheme than it does as 1 Peter 3 says, giving account for the hope that you have. Or maybe if you're honest, you feel You're actually doing people a favor by not sharing Jesus. You think probably Jesus would be a good fit for them eventually. But the pain of getting there, the pain of being invited, the awkwardness, they seem like they're doing okay at the moment. And so let's just avoid the question. And I'm not going to try and unpick each of those this morning. Although as we go through this series over the next five weeks, hopefully we will address each of them. And we'll begin to shine a bit of a light on them. We'll talk about you know, how Alpha actually creates a perfect environment. You don't need to have all of the answers. You can come in a non-confrontational way and just bring those big questions that everyone has to the table and say, hey, let's, ask what, let's, let's see what Christianity has to say about those big questions. We're hoping we've invited Michael Ramsden to come to share on apologetics. You know, and he said yes, as so long as the quarantine rules allow. Just a place to look at what is the credibility of the gospel. How do we share Jesus's claims of being the way, the truth, and the life in a highly relativist culture? Right. Our hope is this series will equip you around these areas, and then we're going to. Finish up on Alpha Sunday with Paul Cowley coming just to share stories. The guy, Paul Cowley, runs Alpha in prisons. Just countless stories of God and Alpha transforming lives as people come without a confrontation, without a big agenda, just to explore the big questions of life. But for today, what I would love for you to do is just to locate yourself somewhere in those potential problems? What are some of the reasons where you personally feel disqualified? Where are some of the reasons where, if you're honest, you have kind of pushed evangelism, like that call of Jesus to the side and decided to focus on other things? Because here's the word for you today. Jesus understands all of the reasons you disqualify yourself, but he doesn't agree with any of them. Because here is his promise to you and to me this morning. Acts 1.8, you will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let's read that again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Regardless of whatever personality quirks or flaws you have, Or whatever the BuzzFeed quiz says you are, I did that quiz yesterday and apparently I have the relentless faith of Anna the prophetess. So that's encouraging. Um, But whatever you feel, however you disqualify yourself, the promise is that you have received a power. A power has been given to you that will equip you to share the good news of Jesus. But maybe above even those ones we've said, there's one thing that disqualifies us and paralyzes us more than anything. There's one lie that we've bought into, and that's the one I really want to address today. It's this one. We believe it all comes down to us. We believe that it all comes down to us. And paradoxically, that actually pushes us further away from wanting to share our faith rather than causes us to do it. But the truth of our evangelism is that all we do, all we're asked to do and all we could ever possibly do is partner with what the Lord is already doing. We read it earlier. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love that. That isn't this sense of the fact that God even stood there with an open door. It's not a God with an open door policy that says if people want to come, they can come. You know, I'm available, I've made myself available. That isn't what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus says that he's actively out there seeking, seeking, pursuing, going after people. When we read the Gospels, that's what we see time and time again. Jesus would leave one place pushed out by this desire to go and seek broken people, lost people. The priority of Jesus to seek the lost was true 2,000 years ago and it's still true today. Jesus is already at work out in the world, seeking and saving the lost. The Bible even makes that clear. John 6, No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. All our evangelism is, is partnering with the work that the Lord is already doing in people's lives. And inviting them to come and see what we have seen. I'd like to suggest that because of that, we are best postured for evangelism when we are interruptible and invitational. Interruptible and invitational. My friend Brian Heasley, who works for 24-7, he often talks about this thing that I think is really helpful. And he obviously pioneered the incredible mission work out in Ibiza. And he talks about when he was a boy um, at the dinner table, he used to muck around when they'd have friends and guests over. He used to muck around with his brothers. And when no one was looking, they used to try and steal food off each other's plates. And um, he tells this story about when everyone would shut their eyes to pray, to give grace, um, to pray for the meal. And he'd slowly reach his hands up while everyone's eyes were shut. And his dad would just go, and he knew. That <clears throat> was a sign to stop doing what he was doing. Now we have to be responsive to the, <clears throat> of God. You know those signs when we're tuned in to what the Father is doing. And we're, as we go about our everyday lives, we're interruptible to the work of the Spirit. To the opportunities that God is opening up for us. If you were sat in the Guildford congregation a few weeks ago, you would have heard Luke's testimony. Luke, who, who was open about the fact that he had found himself in, um, in addiction and he was struggling. and His life had reached the low and he was at a club by himself. And someone just turned around to him and said, are you okay? And he was honest and he said no. And this person said, would you like to come with me to church tomorrow? And that moment changed his life. I'd like to suggest that that woman there sat at the club. She probably didn't go there expecting to be able to share the good news of Jesus. She didn't go there expecting to be able to invite someone to church. But she was attentive to the of the Father. The work of the Spirit already at work in people's lives. And so for us, how can we be attentive to the work of the Spirit? But in a moment, I just want to invite um, Holly. Holly and Robbie. But actually, uh, Holly's at home. Uh, Evie, their daughter, had uh, a difficult night. So it's just Robbie. Robbie's going to be coming and sharing his story uh, with us in just a second. Because actually, far more than anything I or anyone else can say, the real power is just hearing stories of Jesus moving in people's lives. This week, we were able to get the Emmaus Road staff team back together for the first time now the quarantine rules have changed and there wasn't the danger of you know one person meaning that everyone had to quarantine if we gathered the team together we were able to do it for the first time in 20 months and we just took time i felt like the lord said it's time to reclaim your stories and so we just gathered together we just made space for people to tell their story tell stories of god moving in their lives and it's amazing just builds faith and so as we go through this series we're going to be sharing stories Stories of what God has done, the way that God has been at work in people's lives. We get to play a part in being interruptible and invitational, but far more than that, it's just God doing what God loves to do—seeking and saving the lost. And so, uh, Robbie, would you like to come and join me up here? Awkwardly, going to come and sit. So this is uh, this is Robbie. Um, excited he's joined the staff team uh, here at Emmaus recently and uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute but Robbie as we start this series we're just looking at people coming to know Jesus and I know that you've got a pretty incredible story around coming to know Jesus. Would you be up for sharing a little bit about that with us?
2: Yeah absolutely. Um, It's a a long you know soap opera but I'll try and condense it as quick as I can. Um, So I was raised in a a Christian home and we moved around a lot because of my dad's job. He worked for Ericsson and he built like all the networks that we use. Um, And uh, so that ended up taking us out to Canada when I was about six years old. And uh, we, we joined a, a pretty, a pretty, I mean, as a six year old, how are you supposed to know? But it seemed like a really, really good church. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason we changed. And I think, uh, Something, something in that change just kind of rendered our faith just our family's faith. We weren't so much plugged into a church family. And then, sort of fairly painfully, we ended up having to leave Canada when I was about 12 or 13. We moved to Germany, and then I, uh, we, we would sort of cross the border into the Netherlands every day to go to an international school. And that whole period of time was just really, really tumultuous and stressful and... You know, I don't really think much growth really Mm. happened in me as not even spiritually, just sort of as a Mm. as a child. Uh, Then we came back to the UK uh, when I was 14 and I just joined a state school. And I remember sort of within the first couple of weeks, I was like, I need some friends desperately. Mm. And like jettisoning things off of a sinking ship, I was like. This Jesus stuff is going to have to go because mm. it's too much social baggage. Wow. And uh, I told my parents that I'm like I'm out. Um, amazingly, they they sort of honoured that. I'm recently a parent, as you just mentioned, and mm. I, I can't imagine. Mm. I can't imagine doing that. But they they did. They let they let me go, and it was ten years wow. of just chasing the sort of the the adverts of the world, really and it's, it's 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 difficult to to actually even at times recall yeah. parts of it because you know we still have Holly and I still have loads of friends from our time before we came to know Jesus but it, it genuinely is like a I don't know it's like a sleepwalking mm. and there was a there was basically a a time where I went to ACM. I was really passionate about music and just the arts in general. That's where Holly and I met Holly was from like no Christian background whatsoever. She was an army kid. So they moved around loads. And we, we both sort of seemed to have this sort of sixth sense of, Mm. you know, kind of what really matters. And, but we were both very, very destructive people, really, really, um, Sort of chasing the world's definition of the party mm-hmm. and what have you and we we ended up kind of after sort of about a four-year relationship almost stirring up the questions about jesus mm-hmm. because holly came over for us to ask for dinner my parents said grace and she was like what wow. and she she looked at me and was like how are you part of this family you know they're polite Mm-hmm. and 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 wholesome and Christians and so it sort of started debates and i realized i was kind of arguing on behalf of my parents because my parents were and still are they were this incredibly consistent mm. picture of what a disciple of christ is they were they were completely faithful faithful through the entire time i've known them and so i could sort of almost on their behalf give a little bit of insight into what following Jesus was and then sort of beg the question, well, why don't you? And it was like, mm. that's a very good question. Mm. Um, and if I think I'm being totally honest, I was just too scared of the baggage. Mm. I just thought, I, you know, I went to, like when I came back to the UK, I think that was right at the height of like, God delusion had just come out. Ricky Gervais was like the funniest guy on earth. Mm. And I still think that, but like also the other things he says, Um, and it just, it just seemed like it was just way too hostile an environment. And I suppose I, you know, Holly's now inquisitiveness was forcing me to to actually start to take this a little bit more seriously. Um, And so we, we basically started sharing with my family and my sister uh, was really alive in her faith at this time. And she had heard that Holly had from, from a child had crippling nightmares. And her father had had them and his mother had had them. And they seemed to just, and the thing they would always share is, don't worry, once you have a child, they stop. Hmm. And they were, and she sort of couldn't even really explain them, they were just so horrible. And so I said, well, why don't we try praying about it? And she was like, okay, we'll try. But it was a very awkward, very rushed thing. But we told my sister, and my sister was in Australia, and she was at that time at some giant church event that had like 10,000 people, and they were writing down prayer requests, and they were coming up on the big screen, and the whole place was praying for it, and Holly's nightmares came up, and something like 10,000 people on the same night that we prayed, prayed for them to stop. And from that day, she's she's never had them again.
1: Wow.
2: And that was also a huge... Testimony to her family, yeah. because they knew sort of what a ro- she had to sleep with the light on wow. as long as I'd known her, um, and so we'd we were stumbling onto this onto this idea of following Jesus. So that's just to sort of be quick, yeah. So you were praying for her nightmares before you kind
1: of would technically say you found and had a relationship with Jesus. There was just a. I mean, a praying. Sense of
2: it was our prayer. Wow. It was one, Amazing. and it wasn't. You know, there was no like goosebump had underneath it or anything like that um, it was just a very quick god at work like god please make the nightmares stop
1: Amazing.
2: and and they, you know and they did along with the 10,000 other prayers that were praying at the same time um but we we sort of started stumbling onto it but then our last year of our studies where we we're doing like our dissertation and i mean we did music so the dissertation wasn't that hard but <laughs> no nah, you know what i mean some people do like 20,000 words disserta- ours was like 5,000 words but, um, and a couple of notes. I digress. Um, the, the, the last year of our time at ACM was genuinely kind of a nightmare. Right. It was we had a breakup that was as messy as a breakup could possibly be. Mm. And in the time that we were apart, we both separately heard a voice tell us, this is this person who you've split up with is the one I have for you.
1: Wow.
2: And This was much harder for Holly to hear than me to hear. And we ended up getting a chance to kind of meet up under the guise of, you know, closure. Right. You know? Yeah. Because Holly was set to go move to Canada because her parents had just moved out to Canada. And so we were like, the cord was getting cut. And we met up. And then suddenly, what we now realized was the Holy Spirit started filling the room. And then, There was this reconciliation this forgiveness and then we we hugged and it was like a nuclear bomb went off like Mm. god really just set it in stone there for us like no it's you two and just to bring it into land she did go to canada she found a church out there she journeyed in her faith i started coming to emmaus um and then on a skype prayer when she was about to go start her new job as a ski instructor, God said, no, come back to England now. Wow. So she flew home. We then did the Alpha course, got baptised, got married in wow. like under a year. And and kind of the rest is history.
1: Amazing. Amazing. And so Alpha is quite a big part in your guys' story. Tell us a little bit about Alpha.
2: Well, I suppose tying into what you're, you've been speaking on today, Alpha was actually just the perfect thing to kind of, uh, we had a lot of moving parts in our life and a lot of moving part and mental gymnastics going on. And mm-hmm. Alpha just kind of became this very comfortable place to like just iron out the creases of those lingering, but what about this and why this and why can't yeah. this? And and it was just, and we also have come to realize cause we did end up leading a table Or, or serving on a table for about three years, we realized that so much of it is you just being the biomass they see on a on a weeknight and have some food with. Like what we said was very little to do with the change that was happening. You know, God did all the heavy lifting, and that's sort of evidenced in our testimony. All this stuff happened before we came to Alpha, and. So God had like readied us and then Alpha was just like the laminating it and then there you go. You're a Christian. Amazing. So good. So what difference does it feel like for you,
1: for Harley? What difference has Jesus made in your life?
2: So it's it's really, really hard to put this into words and I love words, right? But it's really hard. I think it's almost nigh on impossible. Holly describes it as like seeing in black and white and seeing it in color. Wow. I describe it as like asking someone who was in a coma for 10 years, so how is your life different now? Wow. Um, I, can't, I can't stress to the, I don't know, just the, the numbing mediocrity of what life was like before knowing Jesus. Yeah. And the, I suppose the biggest difference is before knowing Jesus, you just, I just gravitated towards what I was comfortable with. Yeah. And anything that made me uncomfortable, I sort of pushed away like it was like it was bad, like it wasn't right, it wasn't me. Wow. Jesus endlessly is pushing me towards what's actually uncomfortable. Yeah. And then I can see growth and build and, and he like every step we've taken since mm-hmm. knowing Jesus, we would not have come up with on our own. Yeah. But he pushes you here and goes, Trust me, my ideas are better than yours. Mm-hmm. And time and time again we see that, yep that's right, it's true. You know, the the reason we have a baby girl, for example, is because a word the, the Lord said, wow. now's the time. Wow. And at the time, looking at things, this was two months before the UK shut down, we were like, surely this isn't the right time. Like, you know, come on God, think, you know, career and money and, yeah, yeah. you know, get your priorities straight. And then I get to, because of lockdown and furlough and all of that, I get to be present for every day of my baby girl's life. She's eight months now. I've seen every single step of her journey.
1: Amazing.
2: I've seen like the first smile and the first laugh and first trying solid food, all of that. Yeah, yeah. I never would have got that yeah. had God not said now.
1: Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And so... Uh Fast forward a little bit, you and Holly are now the student pastors here at Emmaus. Yeah. uh, Joining the summer, so excited for that. And we've been talking and feeling as a team, the sense of the harvest is ripe, the sense of there's like a, a receptiveness to the gospel. And I know on Friday you guys had a pretty encouraging day. Just quickly tell us about that in terms of the new role.
2: So like this is another thing that just is so perfect for God does all the heavy lifting because... For the first time, uh, we got into the ACM Freshers. From what we heard, ACM has never had a church presence at, it, at any of their events. And when we attended, we went there 11 years ago and we'd have told you then as non-Christians that it's a pretty hostile place to, yeah. to share your faith. But it kind of snuck up on us because the main one you think of in your head is Surrey Freshers because there's so many more, yeah, yeah, yeah. so many thousands. But this one just kind of came up. We we sort of saw beforehand that like our flyers, some of them had wrong information on it. And we were just like, what are we doing? What are we going into here? And then we just walked in, we had this tiny table compared to everybody else's table. And throughout the entire day, people were never not coming over to us, Christians and non-Christians, a staggering amount of non-Christians that wanted us to pray for them on the spot there. And then we actually caused a bit of a traffic jam around the whole cycle of it because like the people at surrey sports park hated us because this clump of people were just stood there getting prayed for
1: Amazing.
2: and a hu- and such a huge part of it was just the kind of asking them about them and being like Ho- holly has a very very warm presence about her i don't necessarily carry that no. same thing <laughs> But, no, thank you, no, honesty, it's important. Yeah. Um, but even, so Holly was mainly like the face of it, but I was doing like lots of prayer walking and I was sort of stumbling onto these people and having these one-on-one chats with them and obviously, so I didn't include it in my testimony or anything like that, but I played in a band for six years, we'd signed to Universal and played like mm. big festivals and all this kind of stuff. And In fact, I went into H&B the other day with Evie and found our first album in there. Wow. And, um, Felt like a real has been, yeah. but yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> at least you were. <laughs> at least I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but that gave me such an in yeah. with like yeah. all of the all of the students and mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. other stands there. Like the musicians' union were there, wow. and like right at the start of the day, people were kind of icy.
1: Yeah.
2: But as it went on, like we just sort of offered to get coffees for I people know. and offered them like a few chocolates and. Like, everybody just warmed up. And Holly ended up praying for the table next to us, like a woman on the table next to us. Um, And she's just so bold like that. And I sort of felt like I more excelled in the conversation aspect of it. But what was overwhelming was we had we weren't praying about this day. This day appeared on our calendar like, oh, gosh, yeah, ACM Freshers. We haven't even prepared for that. And God was like, well, I have. I have. I'm just going to send you like a treasure trove of, very very and this is what you mean the harvest is ripe like they were all trying to get excited about being students in the new year but like they're nervous and they're worried and they're more open to anything in the world of spiritual because of mental health battles and all that they are so open yeah and we didn't have to actually sell a thing to them yeah and that was the word we had from god before all of this was this isn't a sales pitch you don't need to sell me i do the heavy lifting
1: amazing Love that thank
2: you so much so
1: pleased to have you on team
2: thanks for thank sharing. you man
1: do you want me to leave you no? can leave. yeah yeah okay. that's great okay. cool. if we were in the auditorium we'd be clapping at this point so thank you so much
2: oh,
1: thanks so much guys and so just to draw this all together obviously amazing i love that line from robbie like god does all the heavy lifting like that's the message of today We have to be there. We have to be willing to open our mouths, willing to be interruptible and invitational. But God does the heavy lifting. And so, why now? Like, why do we feel? Obviously, Christian had this word coming into this year. Like, why do we feel like now is the time to go for it? Well, you know, you could say, like, 20 months, the church hasn't been back together. This is the new term. Let's just focus. Let's get the church back on their feet. Let's get teams populated again. But that's never been the posture of the church. Self preservation has never been what the church or God's people is about. In this time now, obviously, we're all so aware. Robbie spoke about it there. There's this sense of like pain on the doorstep. COVID has caused an immense amount of pain, of broken dreams, of lost love, of confusion and hopelessness. And actually, if you look across history and you look around the world, it seems that. Pain is the perfect thing for creating a receptive thing in the human heart for the good news of Jesus. Why? Because we feel like we have an answer to the pain of the world. And so that's why we feel like now is the time. Like now is the time for an even greater intentionality around the gospel. The world is desperate for the good news of Jesus. And so we had Christian's Word coming into this year. And then in March of this year, we were contacted by HTB. And I just want to let you know one of the ways that we're going to respond. HTB had been sensing the same thing. And so they have launched an initiative called Invite a Nation. And as a hub church around Alpha, we are going to be playing a part in that. And basically what that means is that we are going to be running our biggest Alpha ever on the 16th of October, we're going to be launching. We're going to be running it in Woking, we're going to be running an in Oldershot, we're going to be running it in Guildford, and we're going to be running it online. But behind that, and over the last few months, what HDB did is they came and they said, hey, we want to help you with your marketing. And so there's going to be a slide coming up right now, but over the last few months, what we've been doing is we've been planning posters, we've been planning bus adverts. We've been planning emails. We've even got an ad on the radio. We've got uh, adverts going out on social media. We've got all sorts of things. And our idea is around uh, in Woking and Aldershot and in Guildford, you're going to see alpha hopefully all over the place. And then um, the idea is that this is not just for us. We're also going to be doing this for all of the other churches. And so there is um, this next slide coming up. All of those ads are going to be leading you to this, try-alpha.co.uk. And on here, we've approached all the other churches in the area that run Alpha, in Aldershot, in Guildford, and in Woking. And on those, we're going to create an archive of all the different places that are running Alpha this term. The idea is that these adverts are not just for us. They're to serve the church everywhere. And um, and so you're going to see that, and we hope that you will you'll grab onto this. We hope that what these adverts will do is they will catalyse conversations for you. They'll open up interruptions into your relationships and your conversations where people will come to you and ask questions. And so finally, how are we going to respond in um, in Guildford or in Woking and Aldershot in um, in these next few weeks, if you come along, what we're going to have is we're going to be giving people a little um, Lego man. And simply it's because after working for 24-7 for so long, we've realised that little tactile reminders to pray are some of the most important. In a world that's so noisy and so distracting, um, just little things that remind you to pray can be so powerful. It can be half of the battle. And so we're going to invite everyone from the Amaris Road family, if you aren't able to attend one of our services, then just grab hold of a Lego man and stick it somewhere where you can pray. You can be reminded. And the prayer is simple. The prayer is to ask the Holy Spirit, where is he already at work? Where can we be praying for someone, partnering with the work of the Spirit, Like just as we heard in Holly and Robbie's story, just as we heard in Luke's story, that is already happening. And so we can stick it there. Hopefully it works across the generations. You know, you can stick it on the table, invite your kids to pray. And then asking for ourselves for the courage that when those interruptions come up, we would be ready to share the good news of Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to invite Matt up. um, And he's he's going to lead us forward in this. But our hope is that you feel inspired. Hopefully you shed some of the pressure that this isn't all about you. God does the heavy lifting. And if we are just open to the interruptions, we're just open to the invitations, then God will do amazing things. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you came to seek and to save the lost. And so, Father God, we just position ourselves right now. Lord, we ask Holy Spirit, That you would bring people to mind. People who maybe they're experiencing pain that we know nothing about. People that are already asking questions that we know nothing about. Lord Jesus, would you make us receptive to that of the spirit. To the invitations to step beyond comfort and into courage, Lord Jesus. And be willing to share the good news. In your mighty and powerful name. Amen.